This is a Rooster Teeth production. Can a human being suddenly burn to death without warning or external cause? We uncover facts from myth on 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we explore topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. I'm Elise Willems. I'm Jessica Vasami. At 76, Michael Faraday died at his home in Galway, Ireland on December 22, 2010. He had burned to death there, but what was the most strange and puzzling to investigators was that there was no discernible cause for the fire. There was no evidence of gasoline, kerosene, nor foul play. Nor did the fire in Fireteas fireplace spread. And so, West Galway coroner Kieran McLaughlin decided that the only possible explanation for Faraday's death was that the old man had spontaneously combusted. Said the coroner to London's The Guardian, This fire was thoroughly investigated and I'm left with the conclusion that this fits into the category of spontaneous human combustion, for which there is no adequate explanation. Wow, yep. Yeah, he was in a pickle there. He kind of just went with what he had. Yeah, he did. Spontaneous human combustion. Which is the theory that a human body can suddenly combust and ignite in flame due to internal chemical activity. And this is without an external ignition source. So like there's no match, there's no fire nearby, there's no one, uh, there was no flammable agent that Mm -hmm. made this person light up. It's like if a person had a match lit inside them and then they instantly engulfed in flame. Kind of incredible if you think about it. If it were real. If it were real. Well, I mean, and it kind of is because it happens with inanimate objects, which we talk about, but yeah. Yeah. No, and there are plenty of other stories like fire teas, um, hundreds actually, officially logged by authorities as instances of spontaneous human combustion. Sometimes I'm going to (laughs) say SHC because saying spontaneous human combustion a million times is a lot, but most come to the conclusion that spontaneous human combustion and lack of a better explanation. Yeah, there's no decisive science on the subject. However, most experts within the scientific community currently consider it a bogus explanation and a myth. Many believe it to be an extreme pseudoscience that was allowed to gain traction in the absence of an explanation or fact. So Mm -hmm. SHC was the explanation for when there was no explanation. And that's how it became this thing that people believed. That makes sense. Okay, so the resounding... Answer seems to be no. Spontaneous human combustion is not actually a thing that can happen. Yeah. I thought it was a thing, Jess. Well, that, yes. But I also, I don't want this to happen to anybody, but it is, if it were a real thing, it is kind of like fascinating in itself when you look at it from like the scientific side of things. Absolutely. And that's, I think, part of the reason why I just accepted it so freely was because it is just a, when it's, it's, uh, you know, real life kind of magic in a sense, be it morbid magic, that someone could just suddenly burst into flames. And so I'm kind of like you where I just accepted it maybe because I wanted to accept it. A hundred percent. But I think that personally we're in the camp with all the scientists. Uh, We usually try to be in the camp with the scientists where if they present all the facts and theories and they say, this is what it is, we're like, okay, you're the scientists, (laughs) you know, (laughs) go off. Yeah. And no, you know, we're not questioning the possibility of spontaneous combustion of like an inanimate or hydrocarbon based objects, like a pile of oily rags. We're talking human torches, non 
John Krasinski version. And yes, that is a reference to Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, we are talking Chris Evans, Human Torch. No, we're just talking about spontaneous combustion. We're not talking about the Human Torch at all. We don't really talk about comic books on this podcast. No. 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 I think there's probably something morbid about po- uh, comic books we could talk about, though. Oh, man. That would actually make a really great episode. We yeah. should look, look into look that. Into it. Let's look yeah. into that. And hopefully we don't get sued. But yeah, let's no. look into it. But today, the human torch we are talking about is the myth of spontaneous human combustion, how it burst onto the scene, pun fully intended. And we're going to walk through the history of how it became this like accepted and legally recognized cause of death among coroners and law enforcement the world over. We'll also look at theories like the wick effect that demonstrate how someone might burn in such a way without suddenly and internally combusting into flames. Mm -hmm. And to start, let's rewind because if there's anything we love on this show, it is providing historical context. (laughs) Here we are. In the past 300 years, there have been (laughs) around 200 purported cases of spontaneous human combustion. One of the first recorded instances of SHC happened as early as 1470. There was a knight named Polonius Vorstius who was enjoying a few glasses of wine before he, according to the story, started to burp up flames before going up himself completely. I could listen to you do the whole podcast in that voice. It's great. Yeah, I wasn't even doing my best British accent, but now here we go. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Thomas Bartholin, the physician who recorded the account some two centuries later in a compendium of strange and weird medical cases, well, he claimed to have been told directly by one of Vorstius's descendants that this happened. Yeah, 200 years is about enough time for a story to change and take on a new life, I'd Mm -hmm. say. Yeah, there might be some embellishment at play here. I would, just. Yeah. And there are other cases that started getting recorded around the 18th century, too. Mm -hmm. In 1725, a French man, Jean Millet, was acquitted of murdering his wife, Nicole, after she burned to death in their kitchen. And then during the trial, a physician testified that Nicole's death was an act of God, which was, translation, SHC. On the morning of March 2nd, 1773, authorities went to investigate the apartment of Mary Clues, a 50-year-old woman living in London, when smoke was seen inside her home through her window. Looking through Mary's window, they saw roasted and oxidized cranium, breast, and spine bones. But meanwhile, an intact leg and full thigh, uh, which were the only remnants of Mary Clues. It was also apparent that Mary had developed a drinking problem following her husband's death two years prior. So over the next century, more and more similar cases would be chalked up to spontaneous human combustion. And it started to get traction in the public consciousness, especially after writers of the time began including it in their own work, most notable being Charles Dickens. There was a character in a Dickens serial, Bleak House, and the character's name was Crook. He was an, which aptly named, he was uh, (laughs) kind of a crook. He was an alcoholic who he spontaneously burns to death in the story. Yeah. And it was Bleak House that really got the frenzy going. And Charles Dickens actually got quite a bit of criticism for sensationalizing and legitimizing what many considered to be not real. Yeah. And Dickens, like he got really up in arms when people came to him and said, no, this isn't real. He argued vehemently that it was real. And he even pointed to some of the cases we just mentioned and more as evidence, because by this time around 1852, he had around 50 cases that he could point to that had been like accepted by law enforcement. And so when he published the serial as a novel in 1853, 
He even wrote a little preface where he was like, oh, yeah, you want to challenge me on this? Look at all these investigations. Look at all these cases. See, it's a real thing. Absolutely. And it's easy to see how readers would trust and take Dickens's word as fact when he wrote in detail and correctly about other diseases like smallpox. Yeah, people looked and said, well, he talked about this one disease and he was right, so he must be right about this. And he's basing it on these investigations by professionals yeah. and stuff. So it's <laughs> yeah. like, I, I get it, but also... Yeah. Uh, and then, like, his contemporary writers also kind of became entranced by this, like, quote-unquote, new macabre way to die and they started using it as a device in their own work. So like Herman Melville and Washington Irving also started writing and having SHC be a mechanic in their stories. And it was during the 19th century that the temperance movement also latched onto spontaneous human combustion to push their social ideology. Yeah. And this is uh, the temperance movement being like prohibition and people who felt that drinking was not only immoral, but it should only be practiced in moderation if not completely abstained from, which was usually their course, was don't drink at all. Uh, yeah, N no alcohol for you. But one common thread across many of the logged cases of spontaneous human combustion is that the victims were drunks, alcoholics, or imbibing in alcohol at their time of death or shortly after. Yeah, and this is where things started to get confused because so many of the victims tended to drink. The temperance movement latched onto this and started this persistent belief that alcohol consumption was directly tied to SHC. And in their opinion, it was, oh, it was so obvious that lighting somebody up in, instantly into flames was God's retribution for living an immoral life. And it was like this physical representation of hell's infernal fires, that sort of thing. Boy, did they think that they had some really good proof for that. Yeah. Like, that just was <laughs> so feeding into their ideology for yeah. sure. But yeah, temperance lecturers would go from town to town telling tales of spontaneous human combustion to instill fear in the hearts and minds of the public. Specifically, a lecturer in Canada in 1859 told stories of a young man who got incredibly drunk and was found the next day, quote, literally roasted from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. Oh yeah. Hey, did you see his feet? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, they were roasted, eh? Like you said. Hey, they, uh, they were barbecuing uh, next door. Oh, come I on, Jess. I can do that I don't because know. I'm Canadian, but okay, that's I offensive. Don't know. That was bad. I, I apologize. From you, please. I, I apologize. Do it again. Do it okay. some more. I <laughs> oh, yeah, they are bar... Okay. <laughs> okay. It's not even good. <laughs> it's a little Midwest. I feel like there's a, there's a tough line between Canadian accent and Midwest accent. Because yeah. it's that same kind of like happy obliviousness, like, oh, yeah, oh, okay. But with the Canadian, if you can throw in a uh, e eh, and eh. oi, oi, like, like, oh. like, died, died, <laughs> uh, or like about, I, oh, yeah, boot, a boot. I'd say maybe, maybe Midwest is more like doid. No, no, oh, man, I can't do the Midwest, but now I'm just confused. <laughs> Anyway. Anywho, <laughs> um, well, Benjamin Radford, who is a regular contributor for Discovery News and LiveScience.com, he is also a professional skeptic by trade, and he completely refutes the existence of SHC, and he blames the temperance movement for legitimizing it, calling it God's wrath for drunkenness. 
He said, of course, God's going to bring lightning down and put this poor sod into flames because he spends the day drinking. (laughs) So, yes, there was a very strong theory that unmitigated alcohol consumption could cause spontaneous human combustion. Mm -hmm. And while teetotalers in the temperance movement considered it a case of virtue, there were those who conversely pointed to what they thought was the science, which was the flammability of alcohol as the cause. Yeah, a late 18th century physician named Pierre Léard discovered that most cases labeled SHC shared three distinct characteristics. One, the victim was a known alcoholic. Two, they were elderly. I just had an image of an old person combusting. Anyway, uh, and then three, they were overweight. Yeah, and like this is where things started to get kind of wild here Mm -hmm. because he even went as far as ranking the types of alcohol in terms of their ability to cause combustion. So like gin, he considered to be the most potent than brandy, than whiskey, than rum. I don't even know where he got these numbers from. Was it alcohol content maybe? I don't know. Maybe he was doing some experiences on like- It seems a little far-fetched. It does. Are you still imagining that old person bursting into flames? I really did. Yes. Um, I have a very specific image in my brain and I'm not going to go into it just because it's really sad. And Is it Anthony funny. Hopkins? It's Anthony no, Hopkins. No. One of our country's greatest <laughs> acting treasures, Jess. I can't believe you. Anyway, The Anatomy of Drunkenness by Robert McNish was published in 1828 and it outlined the types of drunkard and devoted an entire chapter to spontaneous human combustion. Research like McNish's book and Lair's helps kind of give credence to the belief and superstition that if a person drank enough alcohol, then their body like soaked it up and was essentially rendered to be kindling. Yeah. And while this is, you know, when the theory gained popularity, there are works that predate this. The Journal of Physiological Transactions of the Royal Society of London proposed that gases in the body and intestinal waste mixed with alcohol could cause spontaneous human combustion. So I would believe this because I still think that that moment in the movie Dumb and Dumber where he like holds up a lighter and farts is like real. I haven't been proved otherwise. So I would be so susceptible to believing this. For sure. It also like scares me. Like I'm not a big alcohol person, but I had naturally have a lot of gas and waste in my body. So I'm like, God, if I were to even drink a little bit too much alcohol, I'd be one of the first people to combust. Oh God, I hope that's not your Tinder profile. (laughs) I am someone with a lot of gas and natural waste in my body. (laughs) At risk of spontaneous human combustion. (laughs) You know. It's like, it's like keywords. Oh, she's exciting. She's fiery. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, as we know, the human body, doi, is mostly made up of water. Okay. And water don't burn. All right. Mm -hmm. And really the only flammable substance in our body in its most reductive state is fat tissue and methane gas. Ooh. Well, spontaneous human combustion hasn't been disproven. It certainly hasn't been proven. Hence why it's not widely accepted theory in the scientific community. The prevailing assumption and theory is that all these cases, there's some other like unknown external ignition source at play, you know? Wait, so you're telling me that a person doesn't just suddenly combust and burst into flames due to internal processes in the body or alcohol overconsumption or cosmic storms or intestinal bacteria or even the random 1970s theory that a person could become so depressed it could trigger them to burst into flame? Uh, No, Uh, nope, Uh, disappointing, I know. Uh, There has 
to be something that sparked the fire in the first place. And an ash or a butt from a cigarette or a cinder from a fireplace. Yeah, something legitimately like with fire. Yes. So maybe like a (laughs) candle or a lamp or even like an electrical spark from a wire. But the reason that the fire source is not generally detected in these investigations is that the evidence burnt up with the body, the perfect crime. Even though it's not a crime, it's an accident. (laughs) Yes. But before we get into that, first, a message from our sponsors. Elise, I want you to close your eyes and imagine this. Socks, underwear, and t-shirts, but not just any old basics. These feel as cozy as a fireplace and as soft as a cloud. Mm, Jessica, you've got to be talking about Bombas. Oh my God, how did you know that's who I was talking about? Because who else could you be talking about, girl? Bombas makes the most thoughtfully designed, better basics that keep us, you and me, comfy all winter long. And it's been a cold and damp winter in LA. Oh, it's been cold here in Austin too. Mm -hmm. But that's because they use the softest materials like merino wool, Pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy wintertime layers. Yes. And every Bombas item is seamless, tagless, and luxuriously soft. They make merino wool socks and t-shirts that are ultra soft, super breathable, and never itchy, which makes them perfect for winter workouts and cozy relaxing. The women's merino wool hiking calf socks are great. I do a lot of hiking in LA and they are so warm, but also comfortable for that activity. Oh, nice. And Bombas makes slippers that are soft on the outside and even softer on the inside thanks to the materials like fuzzy Sherpa, which I did get a pair of the women's gripper slippers. Um, <laughs> no, I did. That's I love what that name. That's what they're called. You know, women's gripper slippers. I got them in like the uh, the taupe color, um, but I wear them all around the house and I'm able to like not slip and fall on my butt as I get older. So you don't do the like risky business slide? I can't do them in them because they're uh, gripper slippers. I mean, it's probably for the best. <laughs> it's probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't execute that. <laughs> uh, I have some of their like lightweight calf socks, which are almost like a dress sock, but they're great. They're like when I'm wearing a dress boot, they're perfect for underneath it. Ah, yes. It's great. And another thing that I love about Bombas, for every comfy item that you purchase, Bombas donates a comfy item to someone experiencing homelessness. Which is wonderful considering socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the most requested items in homeless shelters. So go to bombas.com slash 30mm right now and use code 30mm for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash 30mm and use code 30mm30mm at checkout. Elise, did you have any New Year's resolutions this year? Spending less time on social media and I think I'm doing it. What about you? Ah, yes. I want to work on my foreign language skills. Are you using Babbel, Jessica? I am. And they have these really short bite-sized lessons that make it very easy for me to sneak in a lesson when I don't have a lot of time. And that way, when I want to travel, I have a way to learn about where I'm going. Ah, si, bellissimo. (laughs) Yes. Babbel helps you have real world conversations in as little as three weeks. Yes. And what's great about their language lessons is that they are created by language experts, not AI like a lot of other language learning apps. Ah, oui. Uh, Merveilleux. They're also very practical and you can practice your pronunciation and accent with Babbel's speech recognition technology. I grew up learning French in Canada and every once in a while I like to pull up my Babbel 
and practice because if you don't use it, you lose it. You know what I mean, Jess? Like it's just, it's just good as a refresher. I know that you and I both want to do more international travel. So it's great mm-hmm. to have this handy guide you can access so easily and tune up existing skills, learn new skill. I I love it. Yeah. After you tune up your skills, please speak to me in French anytime you want. I'd love to listen to you speak French. Um, (laughs) Not in a weird way. Not in a weird way. Anyway. um, I'll make it weird. I'll make it weird. (laughs) You will. You will. But right now, get up to 55% off of your subscription when you go to babble.com slash 30mm. That's babble.com slash 30mm, 30mm, for up to 55% off your subscription. Babble, language for life. And now back to the show. And yeah, so the critics of SHC, the scientists, say that, no, this can't happen because there has to be some ignition source that's not detected, that got burnt up with the body, that started this fire in the first place. It was just, it was so small, so you couldn't see it. And like, I feel like we would notice that happening though, right, Jess? Yeah, I feel like I would notice if I dropped a cigarette on myself and and started to catch fire. Like, how do, how do you not? It would seem that it sort of goes back to what Pierre Lehrer was talking about. So in the way that many of his logged victims were known alcoholics or elderly He's kind of on the right track there. Skeptic and paranormal investigator Joe Nickel, he talks about SHC in his book, Real Life X-Files, and he found that, like Lair, uh, the majority of victims were elderly and lived alone and were known Mm. to drink and smoke. And if somebody's like heavily inebriated, they might be more prone to leaving flammable things unattended or engaged or impaired to react to what's happening to them. Or maybe they just like took some sleeping pills or fell asleep close next to a fire source. I mean- could be could be anything. Yeah. Or like if you're you're older and your like senses and faculties are not as strong, you might just not notice. Or mm-hmm. um, if the victim has been drinking heavily, there's a chance they also like spilled alcohol on themselves, adding fuel to the flame. Yeah. And and when someone's just like alone, they don't have another person to see them fall asleep and address the crisis happening, right? No, that's true. That's very true. It's very sad, but true. Yeah. Roger Biard, a pathologist at the University of Adelaide, told Business Insider, what happens is they drop a cigarette into this massive pool of alcohol, which then ignites and just burns very slowly. We know that fat can actually burn at a very low temperature. Yeah. And this is the key here. And for those of you listening who are like, skeptical of the skepticism and you still believe SHC is real, I know that you might have some questions. Yeah. Like why in almost all cases is the body found burnt up and not the surrounding room? And why do the extremities of the victim, their hands and feet, and like in the case of Mary Clues, a whole dang leg and thigh tend to remain intact when the rest of the body is just reduced to complete ash. Yes. So to answer the first question, it's rare, but the fire of spontaneous human combustion can spread to the surrounding room. Some cases show photo evidence of this. Mm -hmm. And like, think about the elemental properties of fire, okay? It's not all that wild for fire to stay contained to the central place of the victim. Yes, fire can be unpredictable, But scientific fact, it does tend to burn upward, and this is because gravity pulls the colder, denser air downward and displaces the hotter air upward, not outward. So for the second question, we have to dive into like one of the the best regarded theories related to 
uh, spontaneous human combustion, and that's the Wick effect. Mm-hmm. And this came around during the 20th century, and the Wick effect explains how a body burns in the way it does. And it's kind of like an analogy in the sense of the wick of a candle burning. Yeah, all it takes is a source like cinder or cigarette ash to spark the burn. And slowly, unbeknownst to the victim who might be asleep or or unconscious, start this process. Mm -hmm. The fat of the victim's body is like the wax of a candle. And once some of the flames make their skin split, sorry, this is kind of gross and graphic, but the skin splits during a burn and some of the fat leaks out, the body can then soak up its own melted fat as fuel. And then like whatever clothing they're wearing or their hair, or if they have a blanket over them, it is like the wick of a candle. So like the melted fat continues to soak into the body. And then this wick is what's keeping it lit until it's completely consumed. Yeah. And because there's very little fat in the extremities, that's why they don't really tend to burn. They can't fuel this furnace, so to speak. In 1998, the BBC hosted this experiment and they partnered with Dr. John DeHaan of the California Criminalistic Institute. And the objective was to show how the wick effect might occur because with spontaneous human combustion, people don't usually see it happen, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like it happens overnight. Someone's alone. So they wanted to, in a controlled environment, see it happen. And so DeHaan and his team, they used the carcass of a dead pig because it's similar in fat content to that of a human. Yeah. DeHaan poured gasoline on the pig, which was wrapped in a blanket. Yes, pigs in a blanket. (laughs) I just had to say it. Um, And let it burn for five hours. And at the end of which, the pig's body and bones were destroyed, save for the pig's hooves. This little piggy hoofies. I know. Oh. Little piggy. Um, But again, pig's hooves, like the hands and feet, extremities left intact. Yes. So the wick effect explains how someone might burn slowly and for lack of a better word, calmly at such high temperatures without attracting attention of a passerby. And while melted human fat tends to burn at around 250 degrees Celsius, a cloth soaked in fat can burn at as low as 24 degrees, giving them more legitimacy to the wick effect. Yeah. So the wick effect seems to kind of explain this. And then what we talked about before people being alone or maybe being uh, on sleeping pills or drinking. Like these are the reasons why, you know, this might happen to them. Uh, But still there are holdouts like Brian J. Ford, a researcher and biologist who is remains one of the prominent believers that spontaneous human combustion is a very real thing. That's probably because Ford's theory involves the body entering a state of ketosis, which has been the hot trend for the past Mm -hmm. few years. You might know about this if you've ever done it or investigated the keto diet. Yeah. And basically ketosis is a metabolic state that occurs when your body burns fat for energy instead of burning glucose. So like you remove glucose from your diet, and then your body has no choice but to burn the fat instead. And when this process occurs, the body also produces small quantities of acetone. Yeah, those who get their nails done know that acetone is highly, highly flammable. And in Ford's theory, SHC is caused by there being a a ketosis state, which then creates these increased acetone levels in the body. Um, But still, according to his contemporaries in the field, Ford's theory is still flawed. 
Yes, because again, the human body is composed of between like 50 to 70% water. This makes it very non-flammable to begin with. According to an article published by LiveScience.com, in order for anything to combust, three things are required. Very high heat, a source of fuel, and an oxidizing agent, which is generally the oxygen in the air. The human body is largely composed of water, making it very difficult to burn. Benjamin Radford, professional skeptic, who we mentioned earlier, also agrees. Said Radford, the fact is most of our body weight is water and the rest of our body is just not flammable. Put a match to your skin, see what happens. You don't go up. From a physiological or anatomical point of view, it's not possible. Also, please don't do this. Yes. <laughs> but but that that's just quoting him. <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Stephen Novella, who's a Yale neurologist and also a founder of the New England Skeptic Society, he weighed in on this too and said, the mass of a person, if entirely converted to energy, would be much more than a few hydrogen bombs. Wow. But there is no known or even theory. I said, wow, not him. He, he didn't say, wow. <laughs> I'm saying, wow, to what he said. But there is no known or even theoretical process by which matter in a human body can spontaneously and rapidly convert enough mass into energy to create combustion. It doesn't happen. So it seems to be the big consensus that spontaneous human combustion does not happen in human beings. Um, but you also never hear about the cases of spontaneous human combustion in animals like cows who produce even higher quantities of natural gases. Yeah, that's the thing is like there are some, you know, 200 cases of apparent spontaneous human combustion, which is very low mm -hmm. given like the time it's it's been recorded in the global population. But this is also something that if it was real, like we would see it happen in animals too. Absolutely. And um, something that like we didn't really bring up in this episode, but is worth mentioning is just self-emoliation, like mm -hmm. people who die by their own hand by setting themselves on fire. Mm -hmm. It still happens. And there are certain cultures around the world where like that is still considered to be a quote unquote, like honorable way of ending your own life. And so it, it does happen. Um, and there might be cases where that is mistaken for SHC when that's really what happened. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's something that I still think a lot of people believe to be a thing because it's just not a thing that conversationally is discussed to be a, a myth. Yeah. Um, it's a fringe theory that got sensationalized, took a on a life its own and kind of entered this pseudoscientific territory. And I definitely before this episode uh, and getting into this thought that it was a thing. Yeah. I mean, because like you said, it took a took a life of its own. And um, I think you have to get into the the nitty gritty of the research as well to to better understand the scientific side of it all, to understand why it can't happen inside the human body um, yeah. because yeah. the reasons given from back in the, the early days about, you know, someone being super, super um, like an alcoholic or something being filled with so much alcohol. It's like, Oh, well that could make sense. I don't know. But you, you have to yeah, get it. You and have I, to <laughs> I think back then too, people went like, Oh, alcohol burns. Mm -hmm. Oh, if someone drinks too much of it, they must, that must increase their chances of burning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So but I, I can see I can understand why this this caught on in the way it did. And even the Charles Dickens um, example as well, especially because, you know, he he did research smallpox very well. And again, the investigations, like there are people in authority that you trust that are saying this is what happened. 
And so it just, you know, here we are. <laughs> yeah. And like, I just kind of accepted it as a thing that a natural process that can happen, a freak thing that can happen. And we, we all don't understand why it happens, but it happens. But mm-hmm. no, there has to be like another source of ignition and another explanation. So if you were nervous about potentially, you know, combusting one day, fear not. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> you're right, Jess. Like it's not something that a freak thing that can just happen to a person. There have to be other factors in play that contribute to it happening. Yeah. Because for me, you know, there's been plenty of gassy nights where I've just been sitting on my couch and I'm like, could could I combust right now? Oh, my God. Stay away from the fire. Let's, let's I don't care that. how cold it is. <laughs> yeah. Don't get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a there's a movie that came out a couple of years ago that I watched called Spontaneous, and it was about uh, high schoolers that just start spontaneously combusting, like the grad the graduating class of this high school, and it's a great premise. It, it ended up being more of like a love story sort of deal, I think, like uh-huh. a um, you know a young adult kind of kind of love story. But yeah, the premise was cool, and it's like yeah they're they're trying to figure out why it's just targeting this one. Uh, class of high schoolers and so the kids are all terrified it's a very kind of like it follows thing where you don't know who's going to be next and uh, it was cool should I watch it I think you would enjoy it actually and like especially coming off this episode uh it's fun but yeah like you know we still see like spontaneous human combustion come up also in media now too which I think people just think it's a thing hey you know if you want to live your life believing in it I'm I'm not going to stop you so yeah. Have fun with yeah. that. <laughs> I, it's one of those things where I guess someone believing that this is a thing and maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like it's harmful to anyone else Mm-mm. necessarily that they believe this. But no, unless there's a reason I'm not thinking about it being harmful. Unless they're like trying to make it happen in very um, hurtful ways to their body. Yes. Maybe it's like, yeah, drinking a lot of alcohol and then doing stuff to your own body to see if you can spontaneously combust. Like, I, I hope people don't do that. But, you you know, people do lots of things. I take back everything I said. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. People, you know, we're all we're all a little weird. Some of us. Yeah. So, um, yeah. especially yeah. on this podcast, especially the, the sickos listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening and supporting this podcast, whether it's like buying merch from Rooster Teeth. We have our fun friends till the end shirt and our Ouija board shirt and some other cool stuff coming. Oh my or god, just, Elise! For this is just popped into my head. Should we make a shirt that says "I'm a sicko"? Yes, and you should wear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. One hundred percent. No, no, it's a fun shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just just a shirt that says "sicko," and then people think that it's, we're talking about Michael Moore's documentary about the American health system or whatever. Yeah, that's it. Like, Dang it. No. Yeah. No, let us know if you guys, if that's a shirt you're interested in. If it's one not. Of, uh, yeah. One, one of my friends is like, why don't you release a shirt that just says 30 morbid minutes? I want to support you. And I want a shirt. But I don't think people want a shirt that just says the podcast name. I would love to hear from people on social. Tweet us at 30 morbid minutes at Jessica Vasami at Elise Williams. Is that something you'd actually want? Is my friend completely wrong? I think they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's yes. T- tell us some ideas of, of maybe some of the merch uh, that <laughs> do you the job for would us. want to see. Like, do, yeah. Do you want to see the words? Do you just want to see images? I really want. I love the sicko shirt. Yeah. Whether it says I'm a sicko or sicko. 
Yeah. It's a good yeah. idea, Jess. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. And uh, tune in next week where we'll be talking about, I think, deadly beauty standards. Oh, gee. Oh, God. Tuberculosis. Get that wow. tuberculosis bod. That's that's going to be an episode to listen to. All of mm-hmm. these are, it's just going to be a wild one. Oh, yeah. For now, bad bye. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>